The By the Hood podcast is brought to you by the book, Own Your Time and Space, written by Corey Camp and Jimmy the Blueprint Williams. All throughout history, you will see time and space as having significant importance, but never discussed as it will be in this book. You can learn the true importance of time and space and how having a better understanding of these concepts can lead to a better life. It deals with ownership of not only your time, but the space around you. You can get your copy at ownyourtimeandspace.com or you can go right to Amazon and look up Own Your Time and Space. The By the Hood podcast is sponsored by the Discover Your Options Bootcamp. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with Discover Your Options, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. For more information, click the link under Discover Your Options in our show notes. And for 20% off, make sure to use the code BUYTHEHOOD, one word, for the 20% discount. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By The Hood podcast slash webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, just want to say special thanks to everybody out there who's helped supporting the movement. We appreciate that. Anybody who's purchased the merch because we see the merch is flying off the shelves. We appreciate that. Um, you know, love, love y'all all, man, because uh, the followers are growing. People are sharing the content and we appreciate that. As always, I got my co-host Corey in the building. Corey, how are you, sir? Man, I'm living life, man. I'm glad to be Living during these crazy times, man. Yeah, we living through some some crazy times, man. You know, the one thing I can say about what's going on in the world is like I'm learning a lot, not just about myself, but about people, seeing how they handle in this situation. Um, I, I notice also how people can't like stay inside. It's crazy to me, but some people, uh, you know, um, have to get out the crib. It's it's just, it's interesting times, man. But you learn a lot about people and about yourself. But um, everybody knows our platform is the highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community building businesses, giving back, educating folks. Um, and we have a very special guest, man. This is a brother who uh, I follow on Twitter, man. And he goes in. That's all I can say, man. So if you don't do anything else after this episode, make sure you go follow his Twitter because um, he's, 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 he's comical, he's informative, and he gives out a lot of game. I love when he goes through those things. He gives you a history of something and gives you like the multiple chain posts. So, I, you know, after reading several of them, I, I start conversating with him like, yo, we got to get you on this podcast because you're educating the folks. But he's also a hustler, man. He calls himself a sock broker. My man sells socks, soap. He's an author of a, a couple books, uh, Black America, Inc., um, A Trillion Dollar Nation, and also uh, Stop Being Poor. That's right. One of his books is literally called Stop Being Poor. So without further ado, I want to introduce the brother, uh, Doe Dubes, a.k.a. A.R. Morton. What's going on, brother? How are you? Yo, yo, man. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody, man. Thank you for that illustrious introduction you know I, <laughs> I always love that man i appreciate when people are in tune with my work and, and what i do and um and appreciate what i do so man shout out to y'all thank y'all for having me um and i can't wait to get it on man absolutely man so um before we get started give us a little bit about your background where are you from uh i know you're in philly now but where are you from and how'd you get to philly yeah so i'm i'm very nomadic um just from just origin my mom's and our family moved around a lot so i'm from no, uh, Long Island, New York, uh, Nassau County, you know okay. what I'm saying? And then um, around 2002, uh, 2003, we moved to um, Providence, Rhode Island, and I stayed out there for a few years, and then uh, we moved to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. 
and that we lived throughout North Carolina for a few years. And then I recently, um, well, not recently, a few years ago, I say 2013, I moved to Philadelphia and that, um, I've been here ever since. So yeah, I, I move around a lot. Uh, I don't plan on being in Philadelphia, um, um, too much longer. So I'm pretty sure I'm gonna move from here too. probably, um, I was thinking some probably like Maryland or Jersey or something like that. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, so that's my background as far as location. Um, but as far as just my vocation, as far as like, you know, how I got to this point, I've, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since, you know, a preteen, you know, starting out in middle school, selling, you know, the, uh, the CDs when you had the CD burners and yeah. stuff like that, oh, I was yeah. selling the mixtapes and stuff like that. That was a hustle. On t-shirts. Um, I worked at a uh, local clothing store in Providence. Um, so I've got a lot of uh, real sales experience because I was on commission. I started working there when I was about 13. And by 15, I had the key to the store. You know, I was I was actual manager. I was actually telling okay. other adults what to do at 15. Um, it was actually one of the reasons why I rejected, like, uh, public school. Like, I would cut school to go to work. Like, I would literally not go to the ninth <laughs> grade. Like, out of the 180 days in my ninth grade year, I only went to school for 30 of them. And I was scattered throughout Jeez. the entire year. Because that sounds like, sound like Corey. Like, me, me, <laughs> me and Corey. I went to work. Yeah, me I and Corey both were the central work. here, man. But I don't think I've ever seen them in the classroom. <laughs> Yo, but it, I had learned so much more at the store. So I would go, you know, I used to fake my mom's out, of course. I wake up, get my book bag and all that. And the store was around the corner from my house. So I would, you know, have my book bag on, go to the, you know, go to like, you know, McDonald's or something like that, have breakfast, fake my mom out, and then go to work. And I would open up the store at nine o'clock and I would, um, she, she knew that I went to work after the school, but she didn't know I was going to work all day. So I worked from nine to nine from age 14 to like 17. I worked, you know, and I pretty much had a full-time job since I was a kid working at this clothing store. And, and I learned so much because all of my sales were commissioned. So I was able to get sales and I was able to understand, you know, putting clothes together. And being able to engage customers, having proper customer service, and and um, the owner have he's like my OG. I call him my OG. He taught me a lot. Like he was uh, the guy that was one of the first people to expose me to real Black American history. You know, mm-hmm. as far as the the millionaires and, and the lawyers and all of the entrepreneurs of the time back then. You feel me? Whether it be somewhere as close as the 80s or somewhere as far back as the 17 1600s you feel was, me? I guess that, that was important in your growing right is learning that absolutely that like you yeah right so, so that's kind of why we had this platform because we have these, right we have these people today that the average person doesn't even know about right so how, how that how that helped you in terms of your growth it, it it allowed me to know that it wasn't what it wasn't the bill of sale that i was being taught through mass media or even the classroom because you're on you're Every February, we get the same thing. We get Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, you know what I'm saying? Montgomery, civil rights, and then we out of here, right? But yeah. then you don't know about Samuel B. Fuller. You don't, you don't understand that, you know, without a black man, the traffic light wouldn't be around. Without a black man from Nigeria, the internet, as we know it, wouldn't be a thing. Like, you don't get the, you know, Musa, like all of the fun history. We, all, we only get slavery. We only get Jim Crow. We only get black codes. We only get discrimination and what happens is if you start telling the youth that at a real young age that's what they aspire to be but if you start telling somebody like me when I was 14 years old that you could be a millionaire or you could be a leader or you could be a lawyer you could do all of these things and here are the examples of real life people real successful people who uh, change laws who 
change the lives of people. We established entire towns, entire towns, let alone a community or a block. You feel me? Like we were mm -hmm. establishing entire municipalities at one point, all for the greater good of our own communities. And when you don't know these things, you don't think it's possible. You think buying a block is one of the most craziest things that you can do. Yeah. But when you learn from 13 years old that people were buying, not blocks, but entire towns, buying the block becomes way more tangible to you as a young. So Absolutely. learning from these people, getting all of this real history, I didn't buy that whole inferior or buy into that inferior complex that a lot of my peers, even my classmates would have. You feel me? So because of that, it made it easier for me to believe conspiracy theories. It made me more susceptible to believing the truth about certain things, even though it sounded like the first time I heard it, you know, as far as like the original classroom um, public school version, it sounded good, but it at least made me want to believe something else. Like I remember like when 9-11 first happened, I was 11 years old, but I remember this, like the, the energy around it, like not believing what the TV told me to believe. And I remember all of that stuff. So, all of that stuff to that point as a kid made me more susceptible to wanting to know the real truth. Yep. And and it made me more susceptible to not want to believe the lies that was told to me on a, a more mass scale. Yeah, and that's and then from there... It's good mentorship right there. It makes you... Quite, yeah, nothing, you, you shout out to Hev, man. Shout out to Hev. Shout out to Hev. I don't know you, but shout out to you anyway, because that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's what man. it's about, man. Like, it's about that, but then paying it forward. So, like, now you're in a position where you could do that for someone else because um, it's always good to question things, man. That's how you learn. You learn by questioning things. Yep. Absolutely. He was the one that made me susceptible to Hotep. As you know, I'm president of Hotep Nation. You know, it's like uh, my third year running. I'm proud of my nation. We're doing great things. We got Hotep Con coming up, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> May 1st and 2nd. So we're going to, you know, we're going to have, we, we're taking this entire nation by storm by understanding the real truth about where we come from, where we're at, and where we're going to go. All yeah. of these things, the atrocities happen. We're never going to negate that. As a matter of fact, we keep the atrocities in the history. We don't negate them. We actually keep them there to remind ourselves what can happen if we don't protect ourselves. What can happen if we're not, you know, militant and diligent about making sure we protect our women and children. We, we keep that data there, but we just don't expound on it to the point that that's our identity. We identify ourselves by our oppression. We identify ourselves by our shortcomings or the things that mess us up in life. You feel me? We don't identify as that, but we we understand it and we acknowledge that it happened. And we do things in the present to make sure it doesn't happen again in the future. And your, so, your solutions that. based too. Your solutions based, which I which I appreciate. One hundred percent. I see a lot of people like you know the woe is me a crowd like you know sit around and cry about things like. And your thing is all right, they exist, but now what are we going to do? You know I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, because in life, that's I mean that's what it is. I, when people were telling me about like when one of the big, uh, bigger example, examples, excuse me, that they use, of course, is that they burned down Black Wall Street, right? Uh, you know, why would we do that again if they burnt it down? And it's like whenever in your own personal life something has happened, I would hope that you rebuilt, that you did, you would go back and, you know, go to, if you got fired from a job, that doesn't mean that you have a lifetime of unemployment. If you, you know, broke up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that doesn't mean you're going to be single for the rest of your life. If you get evicted, that's not mean you're going to just be homeless for your rest of life. All of these things happen to me. I was evicted during the housing crisis. I, I've gotten, you know, I've yeah. broken up with a girlfriend before. Heart was hurting, all this other stuff. I've, I've taken losses before, but that didn't stop me. That wasn't the state of what I was going to be in for the rest of my life. So when people bring up, you know, Black Wall Street, the reason why it's so egregious is because people don't understand that Black Wall Street rebuilt. 
and thrive for 40 more years. They, ne after. they never tell that story. They never tell that part of the story, right? And this is what I'm saying. Like, this is why I have to make sure that Hotep and all of the things that we're doing is pushed to the forefront because too many black children specifically, like the, the adults, you know, you got to come into your own knowledge and that's up to you. You feel me? A child doesn't have that choice. A child has to be taught things. So it has to be up to the smart adults or the ones that are conscious enough to tell them the truth about what really happened so they don't fall for those things, psychological, physical, and, and financial traps. That you don't need to accelerate your life through bad debt. That you don't need to succumb to a, a white man or a white woman's whim because you feel inferior, you know, as far as your, your skin or you feel like they're superior to you or you feel like what they have is better than yours because they're white. We're getting, mm -hmm. we're dispelling all of that garbage because that's what impeded on a lot of progress that we felt like we needed to be adjacent or as close to uh, white people in proximity as possible to be Man, successful. that sound like you, Cor. That's, that's what you talk about. Listen, all they talk about I, that I, 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 yo, the proximity to whiteness is a thing that I, I talk about in great detail when I, when I you know, I talk privately. Um, you know, you, you're just talking about it more publicly than I do, but <laughs> it, it, that drives me. That drives me. It drives him insane because he, what you realize is some people want to be their oppressor. Like they don't really want to, uh, you know, move forward. They're just trying to be the oppressor themselves. It's it's a psychological thing. I, I've I've been um, fortunate enough to have a, a more of a three sixty view growing up. So I grew up in the hood, and then I also spent a, a considerable amount of time in predominantly white neighborhoods, living amongst this community of people. And I saw the other black children in those communities not be able to deal with their identity as well as some kids in the urban sector, just because there's more people in the urban sector that are like-minded and do things on a cultural level. So what happens is when you are the, the single kid out, you're, the, you're one of the only other 10 black kids in the school, the entire school body, you, you, become, you become an anomaly. You become... A, a thing where these kids are able to use you as a portal to the community and then now you're put up in a space to where you actually feel a little bit more special now you're the big fish in a small pond because you know you 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 special you're an alien you feel yeah. me it's like so what happens is the more and more social you know i guess cultural cues that certain things have that's where you get like the scooby-doo halloween pictures where the black girl is scooby and stuff like that like that stuff becomes more acceptable because the majority of the people there don't see any racism or don't see any offense about it. As opposed, to if you were to do that in, in a more predominantly black area, that we, we when you put it on Twitter, we what we do, we react immediately. Oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So what happens is all of that becomes like the price to pay to be associated with this success. You feel me? Like I have to go through a little bit of humil humiliation. I have to. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, dig down. That, that, I have that, to. That's, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but that's, it's a that's, fact. That's, that's I see what you're saying. That they make for what they perceive to be, you know, pro you know, proximity to success. So yeah. what we're doing is we're dispelling all of that stuff because it's nothing necessarily wrong with living in the suburbs. When you forsake who you are for what you want to be. In, in life, that's when we have to, you know, deviate from that and teach them, like, you can still love yourself, you can still be proud of who you are, you can still be proud of your history, and still live in a nice neighborhood. You can still mm -hmm. push the agenda of your Black community being in a better state while also being in these, these neighborhoods. You don't have to choose either oyster. It's not about that. It's about making sure that your people, your community is in a better space. And 
if you are those people in those upper middle high income spaces i'm not saying that you got to give all your time money and energy to it but if you put some little game and you know put some you know some message into the game if you put something in there for people to gravitate towards whether it be a book you feel me a course something that you can you know reach out for the people that so they can get to that level you in a good space we see that with a bunch of people in on our side of twitter you know rest in peace nip that was pretty much his entire platform yeah was that yo i think you can do it too i did it you can do it too that so that's what we're pushing now was you can do it too so right now like i was saying on twitter before we're in the growing pains phase where like you said in pre-production you know a lot of people don't really associate all of these, you know, great wealth building strategies to the black community. So now you have a bunch of people like, ah, oh, man, that ain't for us. We can't do that. They gonna burn it down, or you know, that's it takes too much money. How you gonna start a business with this much money? And you get all of these man, problems. Over the last week, on what I seen on yeah, Twitter so- is actually nuts. I'm like, people, people like you just, you know, um, coming the way they coming at like black landlords and like the whole the oh, whole man. nine. Like it's just like, whoa, what's going on yeah. here? Like. Absolutely. And when you understand the history of that, as far as the war on poverty, the welfare state and all that, we can get into that, too. I love talking about this stuff. This part, like this is the stuff that I'm passionate about because I understood the, the real history of it. But when it comes to the landlord versus tenant debate on Twitter, that was happening. That <laughs> that is when I said it on Twitter is that's when you strip a community of the concept of ownership. When you strip the idea, the risk and responsibility that comes with ownership. Because a lot of people only look at the reward. You know, everybody, you know, loved the quote from, you know, Spider-Man, where a great power comes great responsibility. And it's true. So all they want to acknowledge is the power. The fact that you get to collect money every month, uh, house hacking, your, you know, expenses are paid for. You can, you know, buy as many properties as you want. You can invest. And, uh, and you know, theoretically, as far as, you know, the opaque view of it is that you don't have to do nothing but sit back and collect. But they negate the risk and responsibility of that power. Meaning that if anything goes wrong, there's a hole in this floor, I got to make sure that it's repaired and maintained uh, as far as taxes, as far as any types of liens, anything that goes into owning this property, all this stuff that I have to make sure it maintains so you can have this nice viable roof over your mm-hmm. head. I have to take, I have to incur all of those risks. So it goes right back into that socialism, you know, debate as far as like, you know, just seize the means of production, everybody just redistribute the wealth and all of this other nonsense that, we've already seen never works. And you can't name one country where it works at. You know, they, they point to Denmark and all these other Scandinavian countries, all the dependents <laughs> as far as the leaders there say, we're not a socialist country. We're a very a capital free market uh, country. We just have certain social safety nets, safety nets, excuse me, uh, just like America does. They just yep. have higher tax rates, which is ridiculous. Nobody in America wants higher taxes. We don't want taxes at all. You feel me? So. At the end of the day, when you start looking at these these situations, when people do not understand how important it is to own what you have, to you know, to control, really, Con- yeah. own is important because you don't I always say you either own or you owe. So at the end of the day, you want to go from owe to own, and then you want to go from own to control. Man, so that's, I like that you know right saying? there. So, you either own or you owe. That might be a title, core. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, either own or you either own. Or you owe. I just put that. I just put that on. I just put either you pay like you pay or you pay like you owe. It's, yeah, I'm it's right the same. Down. You either that's own it. or you owe. Yeah, yeah you, 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 you pay like you owe or you pay like you owe, but you go and pay. You go and pay. So, so that's where I'm at with it. So we get from we get from owe status to own status. 
Then we go from own status to control, uh, control status, which is, of course, trust funds, asset protection. You know, my name is my name is not even on it is my trust fund owns that you know that's when you get to that to that level and that's where yeah. you know and that's that's kind of that's kind of what i'm trying to work on now in terms of learning that um right and learning that that next step right so i've been able to accumulate assets over the years um got the insurance that whole nine now my the next step i'm trying to learn um because you know it's always a learning thing no matter how many years how much time you got in business you're always learning um it's that next step so i just read a book it's called Family Wealth. And that's all the Family Wealth book is all about that. How to take that next step where it's just about control. That the the idea of um setting up those uh entities and, and yeah, I mean you got you got Bill Gates, Sam Walton, you know, all of these billionaire com- uh, companies, man. I mean, uh people billionaires, period. That's what they do. They put their assets inside trust funds and things like that and take a small salary from from whatever equity they have and whatever assets they have. You look up Jeff Bezos' salary right now, he only makes 88 grand 80, a year. 80 grand, yeah, 80 grand. Yeah, grand <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'll make more than Bezos. I ain't got but I ain't got his bread. <laughs> right, exactly. And, 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 that's, and, and, the, and the bulk of the wealth comes from 11% of Amazon. Yo, you feel me? Just 11%. It so is crazy. It's crazy because I remember coming talking up talking about liquidating Jeff Bezos' assets and shit like that. That's why I can't get into the whole. Yeah, I can't either, man. They talk about he's a billionaire. How can he? Like I saw people yesterday criticizing Zuckerberg for giving twenty five million. I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, what did um, you give? I ain't give nothing, but he got billions. <laughs> and criticize- the thing is, for me, it's not even about me defending the individuals because I don't know not, Mark Zuckerberg because no. I feel like that nigga is like an alien, and I feel like. He, he's like diabolical. <laughs> Real talk. I, I, don't, I can't put my finger on it, but I just, I wouldn't trust him. You know what I'm saying? But shout out to him for being able to, to, to do that. And I, yeah. I and I don't get into, oh, was it enough? It wasn't not. I don't get into any of that. Yeah, I don't All I know watch is that people have to be able to hold themselves accountable 10 times harder than what they would do somebody else, whether they're a celebrity or not. If you are putting it on somebody else to donate, I hope you're donating. Exactly. And that's my whole point. That's my whole point. To teach the community better and all of that. If you know that there is better to be taught, hopefully you're teaching that. Because you can't be like, oh, LLC Twitter, they, they belittle you and they don't educate you and all that other stuff. So if you know there's something to be educated on, why are you not beating us? Because yeah. when you look at us and the content that we do, we got plenty of people that say they love what we do. That's why we do it. I, you know, our follower accounts and everything like that, as far as the success that we have, they, they speak for that. So when we talk about the other people that say, oh, you're belittling them and all that, because we make funny jokes about people being financially illiterate and all this other stuff, no different than when people are, you know, ignorant on pop culture or whatever, or if you don't know sports, or if you don't know the latest line in a movie, you crack on them. Just like if you don't know that your 401k is attached to the stock market, you talking about, yeah, you just put money in there, I just, that's all I did, that's funny to me. That's hilarious because you're a grown adult. <laughs> You're a grown adult. You have a, a you're gainfully employed with a 401k. You don't have any idea how it, how it works. It's yours, and you don't even know how it works. That's not funny. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> you feel know I me? Mean? So when I crack these jokes, I'm not belittling you. It's just at your expense. It's at the expense of your ignorance of something that you should not be ignorant about. It's not something that's a foreign concept that you should be you know learning about. It's something that you currently possess, and you, you're just like telling people to you know take your money out of the 401k and all of that. And I'm going to tell you this, personally, I don't fuck with 401k. You feel me? Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, if that's what you want, that's what you want to do, cool. I personally don't have one. I don't, I'm good. I have just several portfolios and brokerage accounts that I just 
investing in it every month and you know, I'm good. So when it comes to this, all the solution has to be is that consumers get with the LLC or the entrepreneurs, the investors, get by them, learn as much as you can from them and apply those same methods for your own life. You don't have to be um, an entrepreneur to be a business owner. I tell my, um, my friends, my family, and you know, my clients alike, you have to have a family LLC. You know what I'm saying? If you have a last name and you have people that have your same last name, you guys should have a legal entity that are allowing you guys to acquire assets. So that way you can, you know, of course, uh, you know, avoid all of the, the income taxes and things like that as far as the state taxes. You can do a bunch of creative uh, financial things with your wealth as a family. And if every if you got, you know, two or three adults in that household, you know, two parents, maybe an older child or something like that, you guys can actually start pulling your money together and form your own investment club and start acquiring assets as a family. Mm -hmm. And then putting all of those assets inside of a fund and then just make sure you keep contributing to those things. And before you know it, you're sitting on seven, eight, sometimes even nine, ten figures if you do it the correct way after a couple of generations. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Hard um, to do. Let me ask you a question. Shout out to, uh, to Hev again because you said that he's the one that first schooled you. So what was it to take you from um, working in the store to getting to the point where now you're, you're talking about some of these advanced concepts and you're focused on um, generational wealth? Um, also, like I, I mentioned, when we first started, you have a, a business where, you know, um, you're the sock broker. <laughs> um, you got the, the soap business and, you know, you've, you've written a couple books as well. What, what was it that made you make that full transit? Was it a book you read? Was it someone, other mentorship? It was, it? it was, it was, okay. So we, we already established have shout out to him. Um, years passed. I moved to North Carolina. Um, I get with my man, Courtney, dope entrepreneur. He's from New York, moved to North Carolina. You know how in New York, we always find each other. Um, so we and him, Lincoln, we, we opened up, uh, we started a, a clothing line. It was first, it was called Red Carpet Society. It was fire. You feel me? We had a bunch of dope shirts. Um, we changed the name after some years to Avant Garde. Now, between the name change, I had got um, some deals with um, New Era fitted dealers. So um, during this time, sneaker, like the sneaker culture, sneak, you know, hype beast and all this other stuff was uh, taking the internet by storm. So mm -hmm. you had, you know, sneaker forums and things of that nature that I was a part of, Uptowns.net, Nike Talk, you know, shout out to them. Some of your favorite rappers came from there. Wale came from there. Currency came from there. Like a lot of them, you know, they got their stardom by rocking with these streetwear brands and being able to be put in magazines and stuff like that. If you've noticed, like that whole era, the Wiz Khalifa's, the Mac Miller's, the Asher Roth, that whole mm -hmm. 2009 era, it was like rap and streetwear was like this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Culturally, Crooks and Castles, uh, 10 Deep, and all these other brands. You feel me? So during this time, New Era was popping because you needed to have a fire fitted with your outfit. Like, so I, I got um my man Jerm from Detroit. White dude, man, cool. As a matter of fact, he um runs the store Revive, another streetwear store that's been rocking for the greater part of a decade, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So shout out to them. Hopefully they're still rocking. Um, he designed new era fitteds. Okay. He uh, sent me over some designs and stuff like that. And I'm like, Yo, I know I could do this. Cause at this time I was doing graphic design, you know, on my space and stuff like that. When everybody was doing the page layouts and stuff like that, I was selling them myself. Like everybody was doing a copy and paste HTML. I actually did the HTML myself. I image mapped everything on there. If you wanted to go to the guest book and, and all of the other stuff, I linked you there. My HTML skills was on the beam. So, you know what's amazing about that? Real quick, and not to cut you off, it's just that yeah. I think about that. I remember that era, and I remember everybody trying to have a fire MySpace page. Mm -hmm. 
HTML code. We were actually coding, right? We were one hundred percent coding. We were coding, we were and we coding. don't even realize we were coding because we were just trying to look. We just trying to look fly, but we didn't realize. Yeah, that was it. Like adding actually coding. And yeah, yeah, all of the crazy. You know, as far as the brackets and, and the, the break crazy. brackets and we we um I remember like in that era of school, I passed that class like this because I did it at home for fun. And it's so funny that, yeah, if we're talking about, you know, another 15 years, because I started doing that when I was about, like, yeah, 14, 15, so I'm 30 now. That expertise, 15 years of, you know, experience, I, who knows what I'd be at, but shout out to that experience. So through my graphic design skills, I started um, designing New Era Fittest, and I got deals with stores all over. Like, I had a deal with um, Pegasus. It was a store in Harlem. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they still open. I had another deal with a guy out in Buffalo. And it's funny because his store was like a couple miles down the road from the New Era factory in Buffalo. So I was sending designs out and yo, it's so crazy. I wish I would have uh, knew about residual income back then because my designs are literally still being sold in New Era stores and shit like wow, that. So wow. yeah, I've designed, I designed over what, 125, 130 New Era designs. And I was just, you know, sending them out to different spots. Uh, my mom, she still got them like in her house and all of that. And a couple other dudes who knew me from back then, they still got some some fitteds. But so that was that. And then that was my North Carolina. That's how you know I got my entrepreneur on in North Carolina. And then okay. um, we get to the precipice of what we all seen in 2014, 2015. Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Black Lives Matter. That turned me into you know, anti, I'm not gonna say anti-white, because it really wasn't that. It was just, I was just angry. I was, you know, sucking up all of that media negativity and stuff like that. And I started to complain a lot. And uh, my girl, she was, she was, she was my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. She was just like, like, you, like, what do you mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean? Like, life is, your life is, you know, it's, it's never been perfect, but all this stuff you're talking about, all these atrocities, they, they do happen, but let's start looking at the, you know, full facts about what's going on. Not to say that, because I still, I still say on record that Mike Brown was murdered, regardless of what the, you know, the conservatives and the top pro cop people say. You know, I, I still to this day feel like Mike Brown shouldn't have been killed that day. You feel me? But going into it, I started to gravitate towards the solutions more than bitching about the problems all day online. So I started to find more outlets that were more Afrocentric, that were more uh, hotep, as you would, you know, what we call it today. So it was, you know, a bunch of YouTube channels like Sarnetta. Um, people like Dr. Sabi, Dr. Layla Africa, Queen Afua, Tahuti Ma'at, uh, Dr. Phil Valentine, uh, Claude Anderson. I mean, it's a, a gang of black men and women who came in my life at the time where I was mad all the time about whatever was going on in the news, police killings and all of that other stuff. And they came and they started telling me, this is how you're supposed to be eating. This is how you're supposed to be living. This is how you're supposed to be speaking. This is how you get to a million dollars. This is how you, you know, grow your own food. This is how you become more self-sufficient. This is how you become powerful. This is who your ancestors are. This is the stuff that these people did. Did you know that black Americans are indigenous to this land? You didn't know that. You thought it was slave shit. You feel me? Like they started telling, teaching me all of these things. And then from there, it just reminded me all of the stuff. I was, like I said, I was more susceptible to it because of Hev. And because okay. all of the knowledge he was giving me as a kid, so he laid the foundation. telling me this stuff, yeah. You found you new mentors, like, oh, but have laid the same. foundation. Yeah, everything I got you. Everything started clicking. Everything started clicking. So from there, that's where you get the birth of Black America Inca Trade and Dollar Nation. Where I just started focusing strictly on the solutions no more. Like I mean, uh, um, from then on, 
So whatever new clip was out, whatever new murder, whatever new trauma porn that they were sending out, I wasn't watching it from then on. And I dropped, I started writing Black American Inc. in 2015. So it was about a year of me being angry. You feel me? About maybe like, yeah, nine months of me being angry. And after that, I was looking straight for the solution. And then after that, I started implementing the solution as far as eating right. Went plant-based, lost over a hundred and some pounds in, in wow. what, a, a year and some change. Um, I started saving my money. I started doing what I was supposed to do with my cheese. Still backsliding, still, you know, having my habits and still not really saving and investing like I was supposed to, but at least I had the notion in my mind. Getting older, getting more acclimated to the literature, getting more acclimated to the things that I was studying, started to see that fintech was one of the things that would help me get more financially disciplined because apps like Digit automatically takes the money out of my account, saves it for me. Now all my digit accounts or four figures, you know, I'm good now, things like that. So, you know, fast forward to now. So from that point on, I started just implementing all of the solutions and sharing, implementing and sharing, implementing and sharing. Once I, you know, I found the solution, I did it. It worked for me. Yo, y'all, here, this is what we can do. And all through that era, I was getting cursed out. I was getting called a coon. I was getting called to Uncle Tom because I wasn't as angry as everybody. And I wasn't sitting there blaming Whitey all day. I went through all of that. Real life friends, don't rock with me no more because of that because I wasn't the, a victim. I wasn't gonna be oppressed. So like real people that rock with me, smoke with me, drink with me, kick it with me, don't talk to me anymore. I mean, I know they wish me well now because they see how successful I, you know, I am, because all mm -hmm. of this stuff wasn't materialized at real, you know, as far as for me to post it on, you know, options, gangs, and you know, all this stuff, like it wasn't as visual back then. It was just me, yo, I did this last week. I did this last month and it's working for me. You should try it, you feel me? That's so, interesting. Which you, you just said a lot right there, right? First thing you said that stuck out to me, and it's crazy because that's how it seemed at the time. You was like, whatever new murder was out, right? That's the, the trauma, whole idea of trauma porn and the way things are given to us because that's how it seemed that around that era. It was like, yo, it's like, you know, what album dropped? What murder came out? Like you said, what new yeah. That's how I said, it felt that way, right? Absolutely. Um, and and, and that, that's the one thing. But two, um, and again, this is, is, is you found new mentorship. But because of technology, you're able to get all this information um, to basically change your entire life, right? So you're 100% plant-based now. Yeah, well, I still eat fish sometimes, but yeah, yeah plant-based. Yeah. So plant when I say plant-based, is like the, the predominance of my meals are fruits, vegetables, herbs, roots, spices. That's dope. Herbs. That's you know dope. Yeah. That's something I'm trying to work on that part of my life now. I'm going to get with you offline about that. But anyway, sure, um, sure. I, but also what's interesting about that is um, you found a new mentorship. Um, but you were willing to accept it because of somebody that laid the foundation years past. Um, that's also the uh, great. But also, as you learn, you shared as you learn yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about getting the information and hoarding it. It's about taking this and hey, this is doing. This is what's working for me because you can share from your personal but did you see, but did but did you did you hear the response to him sharing it? Right, they, all all the people, you know, not all of them, but a lot of people that he he thought was you know friends was was clapping at him because he was sharing his successes and they was calling him coons and stuff. Like I I I I just wrote about that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can you relate know, to that. You were you can visionary that. and then you were acting your vision and then and yeah, man, because people they clapping at you because they not. They're not acting on their vision. They have a vision, but they're not acting on it. So they're so really clapping. They're really they, clapping at themselves. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I started to. That's what I started to realize. Like, 
I did. I still. I, I ain't gonna front. Like the first few months, I was internalizing that shit, man. I was like, yo, because these are people that it's not like strangers. It, it's different if it was a troll or something. These are people that's telling me like, yo, you acting like a fucking coon, bro. Like it wasn't yeah. like you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, it's like dog. What you mean? They're like, yo, son, you gonna sit there and act like none of these atrocities have anything to do with our our impediment to get success and all that. I'm like, yo, bro. Like I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm saying that this is the solution to that. And it's like, nah, bro. We need to change whites. We need to change how the dominant society and, you know, white supremacy and all this other shit. I'm just like, bro, like, I can't wait around for that. <laughs> yeah. keep, keep, keep trying to do that all you want to. Yeah, we like, got to change it. Like, keep working on that. that. Come on, man. Because everybody, I know that, like, because you got to understand, like, I wasn't the first successful person on the timeline. You feel me? I do believe that as far as LLC, Twitter, and all that is, is concerned, I'm definitely one of the founding members of this shit. You feel me? Because I've been doing this shit since, what, 2014, 2015? I've been yeah. around. You feel me? And I love the fact that the community has grown to where it is. I don't ever take credit for something I don't do. Everybody has been doing special shit in their own way. I just know I've been here the longest. You feel me? I've been here. Once, like, I've been the guy that was talking this shit against when Mike Brown's murder was still fresh. Yeah. When, you know, Sandra Bland and all this shit was still fresh. Nobody was talking about wealth building. Nobody was talking about, you know, making sure that you're not oppressed. You feel me? The mm-hmm. only people that was talking about that shit was the crazy ashy hotels. You feel yeah. me? The crazy and I, ashy I wear that shit as a badge of honor. That's why I'm president of the hotel nation. You feel Listen. me? So, it's it's also interesting because um I think that in, in when we look back at this 20, 30, 40 years from now, Trayvon Martin's death is gonna be a turning point, right? And it's interesting to me because as someone who reads history, yeah, because as someone who reads history, um you see how Emmett Till's death affected so many people. When right. You, when you read Malcolm, Dr. King, um anybody who was active in that time, Thurgood Marshall, that that one that one thing triggered so much that like you know that galvanized one, them yeah it, galvanized. Kinda, it, it, it changed history you know it's sad that it had that had to happen for that but his his death really, and i think that it happened again this is like our version of that that we're living absolutely yeah, it's that, a paradigm shift it's one of those things in time where everybody gets a wake-up call everybody understands that yo this is this shit is real you feel me and yeah it's not to say that we're not aware of it but when things are going relatively good for whatever the time is, you tend to put that shit to the back burner. You feel mm-hmm. me? And that's where you people, where people get conflicted. It's like, okay, I want to be, a, I want to raise awareness, and I also want to live my life. So people get conflicted. Do I march in the street all day to raise awareness, or do I act, act like it doesn't exist and, and life is street uh, is perfect? What you do is you change your life first. You personally, your yourself as an individual. Then you, you branch out into your household, your wife, your husband, your children, your family members, et cetera, et cetera. And you branch that shit out into your block or your community and things like that. And you branch that even further out to other communities. And, and before you know it, you, you're going state to state with the shit because you got Twitter, you got Instagram, you got all these other places to, to spread that, that solution-based lifestyle. But it can't come from you wanting the external to change before you change internally. And that's the problem with everybody on each side, whether you want to be the professional victim or you want to tell people that they need to be, you know, buying stocks every week. You feel mm-hmm. me? Yeah. So at the end of the day, what we need to do is make sure that we are not doing too, too much. Okay. Either or. So as the, in the sense that you're forsaking common sense, you feel me? Yes. There are um, ways and solutions to, you know, get yourself out of poverty, out of obesity, out of, you know, uh, 
generational health conditions and things of that nature through, you know, proper, you know, diets and lifestyles and things of that nature. And there are food deserts and there are things that are, you know, structurally impeding on the average person in low income areas to think to want to eat fruits and vegetables because McDonald's is more accessible. Both those, both of those things can be true. And that's the problem. It's either that you got people that are saying that it's It's, all doom and gloom or the world is perfect. It's it's like that. It's almost like that in every conversation that you have with people, it could be, it could be something as superficial as talking about like, you know, sports It's like, Either either you a Michael Jordan guy, you a LeBron guy. You can't say that both of them are great, right? It's like it's like with everything we talk about, you gotta have a choice. You got it gotta be one or the other. It can't it's, and I will life will is more life this, is more nuanced than that. Life is more nuanced than that. Absolutely, Jimmy. But I will say this. This side, the solution side helps this side more than you know, I mean, excuse me, the, the solution side helps the problem side way more than the problem side helps the solution side. And that's where the, the dichotomy gets uneven. I believe that up until this point, the up until the paradigm shift, the the problem, the complainers, the people who felt like you know all is lost, were had the mic. They were the loudest people. But now you got people like everybody on outside of Twitter. You feel me? Whether it be B or Hugo or Tara or Bees or or uh, Black Wealth Renaissance or uh, Millionaire Mindset Pockets, like. Everybody that, that that's branching out on, on that side of Twitter and doing mm-hmm. their thing, like you see those people are now being, you know, out coming being more uh, accepted in the and, and, and that's a good thing too because because I think that, that paradigm shift had to happen because I agree with you. The solution side um d- does more, but there was also a point in time where people who had the success kind of um, you know. I don't want to say look down on, but they, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't, they don't, they didn't empathize. They didn't, not even just about sharing. It's about the empathy. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of times from the work that we do in the community, you recognize just how a lot of times people don't have the information and mm-hmm. how people are, how people are living, but there are solutions for them. But you also recognize that these people exist. I was telling someone, um, um, it was a couple of weeks ago when we had an event and I was like, yo, I was talking about something and, and, and about people with internet. And it was like, everybody has internet in 2020. I'm like, no, I've been, no, places, they don't. Where, I've been places in Philadelphia where people are so, they have no internet. Like that's a reality. But sometimes, um, you know, um, and not now, now I think that there, you have people who still have the empathy, but also have the information, which is why you see so much sharing now and people yeah. trying to pull each other up, which is a beautiful thing, but it wasn't always that way. It was a time. I mean, where, I, I'll even yeah. give you a little bit more historical context to that because that's not a new phenomenon. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, if you compare it today to back then, we're doing much better in the terms of classism. Okay. Black American classism was rampant back in the day, where you had black Americans that were more acclimated to I would say white society or northern the bourgeoisie. Right, right. So you have that 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 bourgeois class. And instead of because when you have this great migration of black people coming in from the south and other places, and even, you know, one of my my OGs, my sister Sonny Johnson, she actually, you know, breaks down this history really well in the interview she did with my man Hotep Jesus. And she was saying that there was some migration from north to south too, but now nobody really talks about that. But she was saying during this time where a lot of poor southern blacks were coming up to these places, you had a lot of these Northern Blacks who were already established, you know, gainfully employed, things of that nature, who shunned that that culture. 
you know, it was a real big culture clash during that time to where you had people who had a certain culture, you feel me, from the South and a certain culture from the North, and it didn't mesh well. So you'll even have, and it happened in white spaces too. Like you had Northern whites who would rather deal with Northern blacks than Southern whites because of the, just the cultural commonalities that they had. So that class of people, they get, of course, they get, of course, shoveled into the slums, shoveled into the, the projects. They're more susceptible to all of the government programs and stuff like that, as opposed to these middle class, upper class people who are gainfully employed, may even have, you know, a pension or, you know, assets or something like that, who in economic downturns or in a, in a time where of uh, economic need, they wouldn't be in the worst space off. And all they would have to do, of course, was lend that olive branch out. Now, on the other end of that spectrum, you had the people coming from the South who were, who were what they were doing. They, you know what I'm saying? That that's, that's how their culture was. That's how they, that's how they lived. And there were certain times where they just did not want to, you know, assimilate or acclimate themselves to that culture. So when you have this cultural divide, you have people just saying like, you know, forget it. Just let sleeping dogs lie. If, if they, that's how they want to live, then let them just how they is. And then of course, You'll even have that in certain families. You'll have like you know the rich aunt or the rich uncle. You know you'll have you know what I'm saying they, they you you lived in the hood and on you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of that y'all would go to the burbs to your rich uncle and your rich aunt house and that was some of the things. Your rich aunt uncle and your rich aunt they try to talk to your parents maybe. You know what I'm saying it was a lot yeah. of time they probably had to try to have that conversation with the parents like yo you need to start saving you need to you know go back to school or you need to you know get a trade and they was like nah I'm cool with what I'm doing and then. Ten years later, they moved out of the hood. They got a nicer house. They they gainfully employed, and they doing what they supposed to be doing. So what we are doing now is bridging that gap. We're yeah, bridging that gap yeah. because we are not we're not stuck up. We're not bourgeois. We still you know what I'm saying I still know how to box. I still you know what I'm saying we still <laughs> we, we not still, you know what I'm saying we still we still give it up in the same way we give it up culturally. But now we're the ones that's doing the wealth building. You feel yeah. me? Like we 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 have surgeon salaries and all of that. Like we have, mm -hmm. you know, real estate. We have all of this stuff, and we didn't have to forsake our culture or forsake who we are for it. That's yeah. what makes this era the best. So when I agree, no, I agree with oppression you. and all the other stuff, I I feel you. But this is no better era if you unless you comparing it to ancient times. You feel me? But it's no better era to be a black man or a black yeah. woman. What a time yeah. to be alive! You know I mean? Yeah, so, it's it's also like what you're saying is the reason why um. And I always say this, and I'm like, damn, now people, people kind of like, dude, if you keep mentioning that book, but Powernomics is the book that changed my life. I'd never forget the first time I read Claude Anderson, man. It's like, because he was talking solutions when a lot of people weren't talking solutions. And he's been doing this forever, man. So I remember, yo, listen, because Claude, he, he's one of my OGs. I hope, I, I pray I get to meet him before he, he pass on, you feel me? Because mm -hmm. he changed my life. Like, he, he was one of just one of them, no, not like, that's what I always been privy to and not privy to but i've been more prone to have elders and teachers and people who knew more than me to talk to me in a no-nonsense way that's mm -hmm. what i've always liked you feel me so when i have this older southern gentleman telling me <laughs> that we own less than one percent <laughs> of this yeah. in, in this era and we still don't own anything and we need to get it together i remember it was one of these speeches where he said we got until 2013 and and, and it's over and if yeah. we don't get it right till uh, about 2013, we are we can, we can pack it up. I you saw that me? speech. I think he was speaking in Baltimore. Is it a church or somebody said that? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And I John. seen the speech where he got teary eyed too. You feel me? And that's like I seen it wasn't just 
oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type talk. You feel me? Which yeah. is true. You got to do that. But you got to be able to give them the game. You got to give them mm-hmm. the instruction manual. And that's what he did. If you look at that book, that's pretty much all you need. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to, you know, throw my book under the bus, but I'm telling you, you get that book. Make sure you get that book if you haven't read that book. Powernomics is definitely... That's my favorite book of all time because that's... Like, you feel you me? Know, like it's, it's, and it's I don't want to be cliche. It's like, I don't have to be cliche, but the book changed my life. It, like, set it on a whole different course. Right. Um, it's like, it's really one of those staple finance books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But mm-hmm. it's, it's more specific for, for the Black for our community. community. And, Absolutely. Right. And, and that's the reason why, I, you know, that's what inspired me to write Black American Inca Trillion Dollar Nation. You feel yeah, me? Yeah. Available on Amazon. But, you know, <laughs> no doubt. And I got, you I got your book, too. I got you, but, but I, I, I like I like the I like the title of your uh, your next book. Like just the title, like you know. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's fun. What made you come up? What made you just like you know? All right, this is the next title. This is this right to the point. Of course, second book is called "Yo Stop Being Poor." Yeah. So. No um, <laughs> book. No book. No, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a fool. Can we curse? I've been cursing. Yeah, go ahead, man. This is this is this is this is our show. We do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So. Um, I had made a threat because I got on Canva and I was, I don't know, I was probably high or something like that. And I started making like fake motivational uh, posters and I have a whole thread of them. And it's like, one of them was like, yo, he don't call you back because you keep making chicken Alfredo. And it's like a <laughs> cherry blossom tree on it. Like it was like, I, another one was like, yo, stop lying to your followers. We can tell, like, you know what I'm saying? And one of them was stop being poor. And I was like, yo, that's fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and and it just is at the point to where this is at this point. This was my height of finance. Got cheese because this is coming from my. You know, I tell people all the time, like on podcasts, when I tell people, you know, just about my journey. I was dead broke, dead, dead, dead broke. All of that entrepreneurship, that shit was cool, but I was broke. You feel me? Like all of that new era money was gone. All of the red carpet society money was gone. CDs, all of that money was gone. You feel me? And up until that point. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was barely making. I had jobs and stuff like that. I, you know, I had to do what I had to do to barely maintain. Mm-hmm. But as far as like wealth building and, and thriving, nah, just surviving, barely. And um, I had, a, you know, Philly, you, you, y'all live out here. Y'all see how mm-hmm. many beer stores I got out here. It's the beer store right in front of my crib. So me and beer got closer during this time when I first moved out here and all that. So I, I wasn't being the best man I could be. You feel me? So. I did all of those years of getting my finances, my health, and all that stuff together. So now I'm feeling like the man. You feel me? So now I feel like I got the blueprint, at least for people who was broke, dead broke, to get to this point of financial security. You know what I'm saying? To go from being able to pay your bills on time or ahead of time to go from, you know, paying for shit with credit cards and, and debt and all that stuff to being debt-free and all of that. I got debt-free um, 2016. Completely consumer debt free, 2016, and I haven't looked back since. You know what I mean? And it's funny because Credit Karma literally just gave me a notification just now. That's funny. But <laughs> from then, I just like, yo, let me just document what I did. You feel me? And and turn it into something that can help other people. Because up until that point, I was just giving out free game. Like, yo, make sure you cut back on this. Make sure you cut back on this. And then there's there was another side of Twitter too that was like, you know, a bunch of like uh, self development. Uh, trainers and you know that that like the yeah. Ajax and Ed Lattimore's and you know Hotep Jesus, all of these guys who have been on the scene teaching people. That's why they all have like you know six figure followings is because they've been tremendous on, in that space. Yeah. So I started learning from them as far as info products and being able to market your knowledge and, and sell your information. 
And, you know, one of the major things was is that you, you couldn't be a phony because it was too phony, too many phonies out there. You just go to Google, start copying and pasting some shit, put it in a PDF and sell it. And that's why I, I didn't want to do that. So what I did was I documented my lifestyle. Like I told people what I did. I just didn't put a whole bunch of, you know, random Google searches in, in a PDF form. Mm-hmm. I actually gave them me. And people read it and was like, yo, like, <laughs> it, thank you. I changed my life. You know, you got, I saved $10,000 or, uh, you know, I'm no longer behind on my bills. Somebody just emailed me today. I mean, uh, yesterday. Telling me they they about to pay uh, for school out of pocket because of my emails and my book. Yeah, I saw you that. I me? saw that post. Yeah, I was on live um like a couple months ago, and somebody told me that they saved ten thousand dollars because because of my tweets and my book. So it's like because of that, I was like I felt more confident in being able to charge people for this. And what I also learned from that that side of Twitter is that you're only going to put action behind something if you do invest in it. Because uh, the free game we give it for free because we understand that. In totality, most people are not going to take action on it. Yeah. But you put a dollar sign behind it. They don't have to be $300, you know, $25, $29, 40 bucks. You put 40 bucks behind it, it at least incentivizes you to put it to action. As opposed to me just emailing you a link to a website or an article or PDF and you'll get to it. You'll copy it to your iBooks app and you'll never get to it. But you just, you pulled your credit card out, you put your debit card out, you bought something and then you got to email it email to you directly that's a conversation that's a conversation we have all the time that balance between um free versus charging and Mm -hmm. making sure you're not charging too much because you want to give people information but also Mm -hmm. we understand the psychology of how people put a value to things based Mm -hmm. upon you know pay so that's like a a constant conversation we that's where that's where that's where content comes in you know i've seen you guys i've seen a bunch of your free content i've seen mm-hmm. your watermark on thousands of videos you know I mean? like, <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy yeah. like i'm still nobody's telling me i've been trying to do that whole thing with the videos with the words up top and the bottom nobody's telling you. me how it's like a trade secret nobody will ever tell listen me how to... and I, I do all that right from the phone i ain't even See, no fancy software it's like right on the cell phone <laughs> but anyway, I can make so, info product on that. How about that? Anyway, that's, go ahead. I got you. But yeah, so <laughs> that's where the free game comes from. That's where you get the tweets, the threads, the blogs, yeah, the emails. Yeah. You that's for free. So when it comes down to this $75 course or this hundred dollar this, and I don't feel bad because you have enough free information from me, not just the internet, from me yeah. personally that you can apply and you can make bread. It's a bunch yeah, of people that's that like tell the, me, yo, I, I don't even need to buy your shit. I can, you know, just use your free information. And that's it's like not the, uh, the Gary V, the Gary V joint. What's a jab, jab, right hook? <laughs> I think it's what he calls it in his book. He talks about the jabs is the free information. And then you hit him with the right hook, which is like, yo, now I got to charge you for this. Yeah, and that's the thing. So the, and the reason why I go so hard about this particular part of this topic is because there's so many bums sitting on the sidelines that try to ridicule what we do that try to belittle what we do as opposed like like we're we're wrong for charging for the information Mm -hmm. you can pay 30 grand to learn about african-american gender studies and it's not a problem that's not that's that's totally okay that's a good you know uh waste that's a good uh spend of your time and your money but i charge you 29 dollars for a guide that would absolutely put you in a place of financial security for the rest of your goddamn life. And I'm tripping for doing that. And this is the problem. Like, that's that's the reason why I don't take any of those criticisms serious. Now, if there are people out there who are selling shitty info products, absolutely don't shop with them. You feel me? Do mm-hmm. not shop with them. They need to up their content. They need to up 
what they're doing, up the quality of what they're doing. But as far as trying to disparage people just doing that period, no. Nah, I, I I encourage everybody to have a e-book. Listen, man, you I have to, everybody to have a course. You have to have, invest in yourself. Information. Why not? And the thing is, people and people are so brainwashed, right? I, I just had this conversation. I was telling someone that I paid a thousand dollars, like for a course to learn options, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and the thing about paying for that course is, I made my money back the very next week because of the information that I learned in the course. I, right. I, I'm already profitable, even though it cost me a thousand dollars for the information. And they were like, "You, well, you, you can go online." I said, "Listen, it's difference between going to YouTube to get the free stuff and sitting in the, an online boot camp. It cost me a grand." I said, "But here's the thing." I told this, you have no problem with going to a college paying um, $100,000 and you ain't made one penny off that. You don't right. know, and you don't know if you ever will. I went, I paid a hundred grand for, for information that I never used. Never, <laughs> in a, in a, ever, never, ever. Listen, man. When I got I, my degree, man. it cost me a hundred racks. Listen. It cost me a hundred. I, me too, dog. I had a hundred thousand dollars student. I got. I have a master's degree in real estate. Like people say, what the hell are you gonna do with a man? All that allows me to do is, if I wanted to, is to teach a collegiate course, right? That's all it allows me to do. I, other than that, most of the stuff I've learned in real estate is through trial and error. But I have six yep. figures that, um, that I'm, you know, be getting rid of soon. But I also like have a master's degree. So now I have a master's degree in real estate. What does that actually even mean? <laughs> in retrospect, it really, it really means nothing, right? You know what I mean? It really means nothing, right? But but at the end of the day, I'm like, yo, son, there's a literal post. No, there's a pre and post apocalyptic Walking Dead themed course that you can take, and you could be certified in zombie post and pre post apocalyptic (laughs) scenario. (laughs) Ask me, ask me how much the course is. How much does that cost? Six thousand dollars, my nigga. Come on, cuz if someone is getting it too. Yeah, so this is what I'm saying. So, do I feel bad? You guys, you first of all, you're talking to a nigga that's so crap. So you're not gonna make me feel bad. You feel me? You're not gonna make me feel bad about shit I said, son. I've sold, I sold worse. <laughs> I've sold worse than a PDF document, dog. So you're not gonna make me feel bad about any of this shit. And my, the results of it, the, my following speaks for itself. My the following engagement, as far as people talking to me about my content, it works. G like people tell me this stuff, and it's it's time now. People in our side to like start flexing that because yeah. it only makes it more attractive. This is the reason. You know why I started selling drugs, my nigga? I tell you, I rapped about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I rapped too. And um, <laughs> so it was one day I was coming. I was coming from school. And I bumped into my homie, Eric. My, my man, Eric, he had a duffel bag, right? I was like maybe 12, maybe, you know, yeah, 12, going on 13, right before I actually got the job with him. And I bumped into him, and he had his, you know, he duff, his duffel bag, he dropped the duffel bag. He's like, yo, watch me go. I'm like, my fault, bro, whatever. He opened up the bag, bro. And as a 12-year-old, you know what I'm saying? You, you've never seen this much money before ever in your life. So I'm thinking it's like a million dollars. So I'm like, yo, dog. How much, like, where'd you get this money from? This nigga told me he hustled. I'm like, oh, word? Show me the way. Like, how did, how did you get this <laughs> You told me, like, how did you get this shoe? Man, he set, he set me up with a starter pack, and I was I was on ever since then. And I was with the bud. And then um, my homeboy, Costa, rest in peace, his his girl, Gabby, she was, uh, she knew this Colombian kid, and he had Ready Rock just in the crib. You feel me? So she would flirt with this nigga. We would get free crack, my nigga. Free <laughs> crack. 
and sold it all day long, money. And so this is the back, like, you know what I'm saying? So when you're telling me about an info product, you feel me? Oh, you, uh, what is it? They call it LLC Twitter, uh, uh, $1,200 uh, business. Twitter, oh, no, the, like, the new one is the new stuff, Rock Nation man. Brunch, Rock Nation Brunch Twitter, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, there it is. Rock Nation Brunch Twitter. I, man, I've come up rough, boy. Like, I don't care. Like, all of those names, they don't bother me. Like, that's one of the main reasons why we took Hotep for what it was. That's what a Hotep was a pejorative at one point. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, it was, it was, it was like a negative. Now, Yo, he's a Hotep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now we at Hotep Khan, May 1st. Hotep Khan. Yeah. That's what we had. We took Hotep from a pejorative to a now a convention that we do at least once a year. You feel me? So, this is where we at now. So where, where, is, that, us, is that a virtual thing you want to have, or you got to have an action in person? No, it's going to be in Washington D.C. Washington D.C. Okay, okay. I, May first, I mean, Hotep Con. I'm okay. gonna give everybody more details. I'm gonna start dropping the flyers soon. Um, okay. Yeah, Hotep Con, yo, for real. We we gonna have we gonna turn up. You might you might want to push that. You might want to push that a little farther into the summer. With the Corona, with the Corona going with down, you might want. Yeah, that Rona, man. Push, Rona. Yeah, you might want to yeah. push that a couple months. Push that back a couple months. Give everybody lungs. Give everybody lungs some time to breathe, man. Some, some time right. to, to, to flow. Whole world is changing, man. Whole world is changing, man. But yeah, man, listen. So, man, you giving us a lot of information, man. So, but before, yeah, I know you. Someone, yeah, we're not going to talk for. I know, but I know, I know, I know how it's free flow. Yo, listen, man. You got a lot of information, man. Yeah, man. I love it. You dropping bombs on the folks. I love our conversation. But let me ask you Anytime a question, though. Anybody like, yeah, we're going to do 45 minutes. <laughs> never works. Not let me ask you a question. Me. Let me ask much. you a question, though, right? So going through this process, right? So you talked about your journey. I mean, you know, from, from, from a young end to, to selling crack, to having an awakening, to having mentorship. Um, what has been like, your, what was the, the biggest struggle or the biggest hurdle that you had to get over between then to bring you to where you are now? Like, what is something that's like, you would probably consider your biggest hurdle? Uh, honestly, me, myself. Myself, my procrastination, my laziness, my complacency, my addiction, my everything that literally made me unsuccessful was me. I was, yeah, I, I mean, because my background, like I started smoking weed when I was like 11. And like, you know how people say they started smoking weed at 11, stopped and started again at like 16. I'd never stopped smoking since I was 11, like religiously, to the, you know what I'm saying? So that impeded on my mental development to the point to where like, as a kid, complex math, done. Uh, long reading, not happening. So it's like, that's really what my problem was. Like all of that, cool. it was cool. I had all that life experience, but scholastically, like I could read and write, that's cool. Cause that, that's something, but like scholastically, like certain math, uh, like after like pre-algebra I checked out, you feel me? So those things hurt me. Cause when you're doing personal finance and you're doing basic finance, those, you gotta be able to, get those concepts mathematically in your mind percentages ratios and things like that you have to make sure that you can you know account for that especially in options trading you gotta know your premiums versus your break-even price that you gotta understand that stuff and mm -hmm. that i ain't gonna lie even to this day i still have you know certain things that i work and uh, i have to work uh past and stuff like that because of developmental issues um you know not slow or nothing like that but definitely not as fast as i should have been as smart as i am right now i definitely could have been smarter but so yeah, all of that, man, it was really myself. Like, you know, eating too much, smoking too much, drinking too much, uh, wasting time, procrastinating, not, you know, taking, you know, starting and stopping was the biggest thing. Starting and stopping throughout just that, my entire growth phase was my biggest impediment. I had a podcast, fire. 
I mean, literal blue check people retweeting my podcast just stopped out of nowhere. Why? You know what I mean? New Era could have gotten better. You know, nobody stopped buying New Era fitted. Stop that. Why? Like, so that was my my biggest thing. If I had to say my biggest obstacle was myself and starting to stop it, not continuing. You mm-hmm. feel me? And it's not like I'm stopping because it was whoa or it was boring or it wasn't. No, nah, like niggas is waiting for the podcast and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Gotcha. Like, so that was my thing. And I'm glad, you know, implementing <clears throat> the whiteboard that I have implementing, you know, those apps like Slack and Asana keeps me productive. It keeps me, you know, on what I'm supposed to be on. And of course, the social circle that I have, a bunch of go-getters, a bunch of high achievers, a bunch of high net worth people, a bunch of, you know, high work ethic people that keeps me on my toes. Like you can't, when it's time to check in with your homies and they like, yeah, I just closed this deal. Oh, I just opened up this and I just did this. And here you come with like, yeah, uh, I had a, nice sandwich you know that's interesting you say that because it, it, that, that's like throughout this entire conversation one of the things that um i'm picking up on is how the people you surround yourself with right and a lot of times we think about that in the physical but even in the virtual world when we talk about being on twitter or being on ig or facebook whatever your platform of choice is the people you surround yourself with there also like can can uh add energy or take away energy from what you're doing in real life. So, um, yo, that's a fact. Like I try to tell people this. first of all, Twitter is the number one app in my life. And I'll tell you why. First of all, I met my wife on Twitter. You know what I'm oh, saying? Damn. I didn't know that story. Yep. Yeah. 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 I met her on Twitter. My DM game is sufficient. As you can see, <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? and we, we here, you know what I'm saying? Like literally started from a DM and we, had, we got old married, you know, really married. You feel me? And, um, my timeline, is a, a literal never-ending well of opportunity. I can just randomly scroll my timeline right now and I can find a real estate deal. I can randomly scroll my timeline right now and find a startup deal. I can randomly scroll my timeline and find another income stream like that. Somebody's gonna, somebody just made some money on my timeline. I can guarantee it. I can affiliate somebody's ebook on my timeline. I can um, buy into a real estate deal that somebody has currently. I can go have these on a business with somebody like I just literally like it's it's ridiculous how profitable my timeline is. It's nuts. It's literally nuts. Like I made eleven hundred dollars off a of B's tweet last week. Eleven hundred in a week off of a wow. tweet. He didn't talk to me. He didn't even tweet me. He was like, "Yo, our goal, which is uh, Royal Gold, it's a, it's a stock out in uh, is it Canada? I'm not sure. Did some minor due diligence on it. Bought a couple contracts." Gold went up because you know the the economy uh, the economy mm-hmm. is like crazy right now. So we've yeah. been trading options. Like the volatility has been amazing for us. So based upon that, like I made eleven hundred off of a tweet. Now you compare that to somebody else's timeline where you got nothing but them stupid ass challenges. You got uh, naked hoes. You got a bunch of beef. Like you know what I'm saying and shit like yeah. that. Like going on on the timeline. What are you What are you doing? Like what is your timeline? This is and this is the same thing when people complain about their timeline. I never complain about my timeline. I only rant about niggas who are retweeted onto my timeline of the foolishness. You feel me? Because my timeline, nobody's a bum. Nobody's a victim. Nobody believes that they're defeated in any way. I can go, my timeline is perfect. And that's I got a couple questions thing. about that. Because yeah. that means that you curated your timeline to for a specific way, right? Well, um, so, so it took you a while to curate that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But a I couple had questions throughout the years. I yeah, and, 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 and that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, because I ain't going to front like I haven't been, you know, guilty of, you know, double tapping certain things. But, um, <laughs> but you got to clean that out sometimes. Sometimes you got to recognize mm-hmm. what's what, right? Well, the first question is this. 
why is Twitter your platform of choice? Like, what is it about Twitter that speaks to you more so than all the other platforms out there? But I, I, I honestly, I, I really think it's because Twitter, you, it's really sans superficiality, but it's not as raw and just wordy as like a Reddit or a 4chan. You feel me? So it's like the in-between. It's like a perfect microblog to where you can post pictures and videos, but we're really there for your insight. We're really there for what you have to say. Not so much. Now, of course, the visual aspect is always great. That's why Instagram is great for what they do. But I see people like uh, like uh, pages like Artemis Gordon. He'll have, you know, pictures and stuff like that and have this long-ass post. And back in the day when I was on Instagram, I wasn't really on it like that. But when I was going, I used to read his post. But I would much rather have that. I'd rather read that on a blog or a Twitter. You feel me? So my thing is it's much smarter than all the other apps. Okay. You know what I'm saying? As far as, like, of course, you know, not counting, like, the Reds and stuff like that. But Twitter... It's smart, it's entertaining, and it's profitable as opposed to an Instagram where it's really maybe just entertaining or maybe just, you know, appealing to you. I know even like wealth building Twitter, they like wealth building Instagram because the visuals of the real estate, the visuals of the money, the visuals of, you know, that's all cool. But I'm, I'm really here for the information, not for the pictures. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, that's the reason why I don't, like, I'll show my gains, but you'll never see me with, like, stacks of cash on the timeline. Like, shout out to stack season, like, I fuck with Hugo. And all of them, they killing it. You feel me? Like being all of them putting cash on the Abbeys and all that. I rock with that. But it's just like personally, I would never. Put yeah, my it's, ass it's, up. it's about me? your personality. I, I screenshot some games, though. You feel me? Like, I'll show you this. It's real out here. It's not, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. yeah. Screenshot, Screen especially money. when you, you know, um, trading options. That's always, that always works in terms of screenshots. But um, yeah. I, I get your point with that. I understand that. And to be honest with you, you're one of the first people who, um, on the timeline where, I kind of like saw the power of Twitter when they first at when they first because I've been on Twitter since like oh eight oh seven somewhere around yeah there, me too that's what I'm saying I've been on yeah it. when they first added the ability to like you know um put those those um multiple, oh threads uh, yeah the threads out because you like turned it into a blog almost and yeah, I was well, like that's okay what Twitter is people don't understand that. It, yeah it's it's a, it's a micro blog I get that but but being able to have more than 140 characters where you have that thread now and you're telling a whole story like you posted one the other day. Um, and it's funny. So Corey and I, um, bought a couple at this point, it's damn near a month ago. We went to an early screening of the banker, mm. and um, and shout Was out that to with uh, Joseph Morris. Yeah, 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 yeah. So shout out to uh, shout out to Apple for uh, hooking us up with that. But. Yeah. Too early screening of that, and I was blown away. And then, like you know, a couple of days later, whatever it was, I saw you had posted on the timeline. Like you wrote the whole story out about them and put it in a thread. And I'm like, damn, this is dope. So now I'm reading through it, and you you attach the articles from the magazine or whatever. And I'm like, all right. So I realized, like, okay, Twitter can be an Instagram. Twitter can be a blogger. Twitter can be a Facebook. Twitter has the ability to be all those things. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I, I you know people like yourself who actually learn to use that the right way you yeah know? and that was that was the um one of the that's actually one of my like finer themes uh on twitter i love that you know what i'm yeah. saying like it, it was it's one of those things where it just flies in the face of the bullshit man it flies into the face of uh what was uh civil rights like bro did, like to understand that there was ogs back in those times that was protesting not protesting but wasn't jacking the civil rights movement and then you get the, the cultural context of what was happening during that time and all of this shit like it was like wow i'm not crazy like i you know man like all of these stories that i tell i tell them all the time because they really stuck out like samuel b fuller i tell this story where samuel b fuller a republican black man uh millionaire of course 50 60s 
He tells Martin Luther King, we bankrupted the bus. We boycotted them. You know what I'm saying? And we can buy the bus. Martin Luther King says no. So when we have these types of nuanced type stories, that's the best type of history. Like, I don't yeah. like blanket history. I don't like it. I don't like the... I, I don't I don't subscribe to the fact that every white liberal is, you know, our savior and all this other shit, but I don't think that it was all just one blanket thing that all white people was racist at this time, all black people were inferior at this time, all this, like, it wasn't Because life it. is nuanced. And, and, and the funny thing is, I don't understand how people don't get that, because if you live in a world, you have to understand how nuanced things are. Things right. aren't this way or that way, because... One of the more interesting things I find, like in reading history, we because they always talk about the civil rights. They give us the same, the people you mentioned earlier, the Martins, the Malcolms, the Rosa. Mm -hmm. Let's see if they even give you Malcolm. A lot of times they want to give you Malcolm. But with all <laughs> with all that being said, when you look at give you a of picture these, of them, yeah, when you look at a lot of these movements, who who the hell you think was funding them? We had the, the yeah. black the black business class was was funding a lot of these movements. Talk like, to them, son. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they, but they don't ever tell those stories. Those are the stories we need to start to get. Is the people that actually funded these athletes? Athletes in the business class was funding these things. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's and a, and a lot of people don't really understand that or get that because. Now you know what I mean. If they were to do that now, it would get out. It would get out almost instantaneously. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. So we live yeah. in a different kind of society where that would get out instantly. Like if, if LeBron James was to fund something like a a black a Black Lives Matter movement, he would get excoriated and almost lose everything. I will say this. I will. I will. I'll, I'll respond to that and say maybe a different organization because Black Lives Matter was. I would just, I would just, yeah, I would just but, bring but it like up. A up. real black liberation movement, yeah. Like, he would yeah, yeah. be able to, yeah, you're right. Mm. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's disheartening, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that, he, yeah, he, would, he, he would get, he would get crushed. You know but what I mean? Let me ask you a question, though. This, just, just, just having this conversation, you don't think that he's, a, like, above, how can you actually crush LeBron at this point? Do you think he, that you get what, to the point? He's not above it because he still makes his money. True. He, he's, he's still beholden to people to make his money. No, that's he's, true. Yeah, that's true. He has but, he has enough money where he wouldn't he would never be poor. Yeah, but that's true. But his skill set and what he could do, he still they're still making money with him. So I don't know. I it's, to me, I always think about this, right? Dude, when you get to that level of where you LeBron, you're the, you're the top of the food chain and what you do, mm -hmm. and there's still you have an entire economy. Like LeBron is an economy. I remember reading um, um articles and the data about him going to Cleveland and what it did for business downtown. Yeah, it was like $3 billion. He, he made $3 just billion. Just by him dollars. showing up. So, yeah, just so showing up. So my thing is, they might tolerate, because think about this, they tolerate a lot of what he does now. I think that he might be able to, like, if he really wanted to. You, you talk about... I think that, so I, what it is, there, there's two things, there's two ways to approach it. So one way, mm -hmm. of course, is the safe way, which is what I always um, encourage, like, that class of people to do, because nobody wants to get their contracts ended and stuff like that because they got a little bit too political, especially when the end goal is that you just want a bunch of black children and, and families to live better. Yeah. To where you don't have to rail against the entire machine just to make sure people live better. So that's where building a school, investing in local real estate, making sure that you can become the landlord, simple stuff like that that you can do. You don't yeah. have to be super philanthropic with it. You just ownership. That's what you're yeah. a multimillionaire. Own some shit. So that way, when anything goes down, you can now you can hire people in the community. Like mm -hmm. so, that's what I would say. The safe way is to build infrastructure. Now, if you you want to be one of those people, that, you know, like your, your Muhammad Ali's, where he's like, "Yo, I'm not fighting no Viet Congs." If you want to take that route, then you gotta 
you got to be able to deal with what comes. Yeah, with what that. comes with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying. Absolutely. So I advise all of the when people are like, oh, why don't Hove and Beyonce and all the other people do more? That's honestly what I would advise, yo. Buy some property. You know what I'm saying? Become a landlord for a black community. Be, build infrastructure in a place to where you can start. Hire somebody. Hire people. It's That's nothing. It. It, listen, man. Not, to me, I'm the most the most revolutionary thing you could do is help someone feed their family. To me, yeah, to me, that's the so most that's revolutionary I thing. Help somebody feed their family. What's more revolutionary than that? I don't think you need to kneel. I don't think you need to do anything crazy in the news. You can simply, you can, you don't have to ever publicize the fact that you own two two miles of Baltimore city blocks, and mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean. And you just make sure that they're nice, affordable, and um, because Ti did that. Ti mm -hmm. um doesn't raise his rent. And some of his affordable housing. He keeps it all at four hundred dollars a month, even though it's renovated, even though you know the property values is going up. He keeps it at that level. But people in that neighborhood who live in that neighborhood um for the longest can still afford to live there. As yeah. a billionaire or as a multi-millionaire, you're able to do that. It's not like you're hemorrhaging money. It's just that you're not making the, the maximum potential cash flow that you could be making for yeah. the greater good of your community. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You're not to... losing no money, but you you just not you're not building your wealth off the back of your own people. Right, yeah. right. You know what I'm saying? And it's like the, no press conference, no march in the street. Just buy the properties, renovate them, and, and put them up for rent. That's it. Yeah. So that's what I, you know, when you compare, you know, why don't, you know, Hope said that on the jail like, uh, electronic album. Like, y'all, you know, y'all try to, I'm guilt free. You know, y'all didn't ask this of this person in the Carnegie's and all of that. And it's like, I get it, bro. Nobody, I'm not about to sit here and tell billionaires or rich Oh, absolutely not. You can't tell nobody. I don't pocket watch. I don't pocket watch. I was just having that, that conversation because I was thinking about like whether LeBron was was beyond that or not. But I don't like to spend the, that's money. That's what I'm saying. As far as beyond that, that's the thing. Like you don't necessarily have to be beyond. You can't, you don't, no, I just want. No, I just wonder what you the what, I mean? what to, the pushback would be if he tried to donate to one of those uh, Black Liberation things because uh, I'm just thinking about from an economic standpoint, like is is squashing LeBron worth it at this point when you're still making billions off of him? That's, that's the conversation I was talking about. I don't necessarily think that he should do one. He has to do whatever makes him happy. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Long term, he creates a league that competes with the NBA because we black and we got mm -hmm. the talent and we got all of this. We actually, and of course, this is hypothetical. We actually start taking a lot of that NBA market share, and it's because we didn't crush him years ago when he was donating to this no, black. I get you. Movement. So that's you know what I'm saying. That could yeah, be, it's it's it's, it's, it's the bigger goal. You're, you're absolutely you know right. I mean? Absolutely right. So that's what it is. And I mean, right. like Black America Inc. is pretty much this conversation. Like it's about building. It's about building. We owned every industry that we either dominated as far as being the consumers or dominate as far as being the the revenue you know, up for that industry, sports, you know, HBA, you know, black women literally keep HBA alive. Uh, Annie Turbno, she created the first cosmetology college in America, period. Yeah, Meaning yeah. that there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't even a vocation for beauty until a black American woman created it. Yeah, and she Annie, had an Annie 500 seat auditorium and she had a whole big college. She's <laughs> actually Madam C.J. Walker's OG. She's a mentor, yeah, and they, they just did her. They just did her dirty on that Netflix John. They did her. <laughs> they did her filthy. <laughs> so this is what happens. You got your enemies telling your story. That's why I tell my youngins and I tell everybody, man, you need to document your life because I'm telling you, you're gonna be fucked up. It's 50 years from now. Your op is telling your story to your kids, Absolutely. to your grandkids. Yeah, that's, and, that, and that's nuts, man. They did her dirty because um, and, and that was another another great book, by the way, Black Fortunes by Shamari Wills. Mm -hmm. uh, breaks mm -hmm. that down. 
You know what I mean? Black Fortunes is a great book. A couple questions, like a couple, a couple more questions. Let's talk about some books though. I see you got that Reefer Madness jump behind you, and uh, that was an excellent uh-huh. book that I read a long time ago. Um, just what what are some books that you would recommend for someone who's like? Because you just said you said yourself that your biggest uh, hurdle was getting over yourself. So I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that reading helped you along the way. You talked about mentorship. Um, what are some of your favorite books that have helped you along the way? Um, Power Nomics, of course. Yeah. Of yeah. uh, recently, I like this book, Laws of Wealth by Dr. Dan Crosby. Um, you said Laws of Wealth. The Laws of Wealth. I gotta look that up. Okay, I haven't read that. Doctor Daniel Crosby is a great book. Um, cliche, but Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, mm-hmm. These are all the books that I personally read. Like I'm only going off because a, a lot of my education came from experience. Like I'm a real mm-hmm. head first, jump in head first type of guy. Gotcha. So a lot of it, my the type of information I like to ingest are like tutorials. Like back when I was doing that, for an example, just not to go off topic. When I was doing graphic design, I would just look up tutorials and be able to, you know follow the tutorial and then be able to tweak it and customize it myself once I learned how to get the skill. So a lot of my reading is really just to get certain information like, okay, I got um, an options trading strategy book. And I, you know, I go there strictly for the strategies and understand certain concepts. So yeah, so Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Laws of Wealth, Powernomics, uh, 7 a.m. is a DVD, but I think it's yeah, also- Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, um, but that's a good that one. That, 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 no, that's that's a good. I only wanted a couple because the laws of wealth is a good one. I always like to ask people that question because you'll always get something that no one ever says. So everybody comes here and talks about rich dad poor dad, but yeah. no one ever mentioned laws of wealth. So I'm glad you brought that up because I'll add that mm-hmm. to our list. We have like a recommended books list that we keep a tally of the, the books that uh, a lot of people come on the podcast talk about just to share different types of books. We like to share information, so we like shared books that people have talked about as well. So I'm going to add sure. laws of wealth to that too as well. Man, we really, we really be getting busy, man. Like, and and I like you because you really out here putting in the work. I, I wanted to ask you one question. Um, in the communities that you live in and that you, you know, that you're in, uh, what kind of educational stuff do you do with your folks? All right, so I, I went straight to the hustlers. Um, the, I'll be totally honest. I still, you know, I still solicit. You feel me? I still go by, by bud. So that's that's who I went to first because they was more apt to listen to me. When I had my podcast, I interviewed them. You feel me? And it was one of the more special interviews because, you know, these is young. And what was, what was the name of your podcast? Is, is, is it still out there? Like right now, people can look at the old episodes? Uh, no, actually, because, uh, matter of fact, shout out to my man, Chris, uh, Coach Chris. I don't know if y'all got into him. He actually was like my, he was my, you know, how um, like Combat Jack and all of them had loudspeakers. He was yeah. my loudspeakers. You feel okay. me? Like under his network. And uh, me and him was working together great. And again, like I said, on me, just stopped recording one day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so when, when he realized that, he just, you know, took it down. I can still listen to it because it's, you know, from my, my thing. But, yeah. Um, but the, uh, but I will upload the old episodes just because it was great. Like, it was, you know, it was a few, uh, couple, yeah, like a couple dozen uh, episodes. You feel me? I had a little run, about a year. Um, but, um. I interviewed them on the while I went outside, had my iPhone, I was, you know, had the voice memo, we were just talking. And I asked him, like, you know, how'd you even get into this lifestyle? He was like, you know, my uncle, he was, you know, he had the weed, you know, when I was younger, and you know, he put me on and then after that I took it to the next level with this and that and the third, you know what I mean? And then we were just chopping it up. And then after I finished recording, you know, I uploaded it, sent it to them and they were able to listen to it. And then, you know, of course I got the music in between and so it's a production. They feel, you know, they feel not yeah. famous, but they feel like, yo, I'm actually being like, if nothing else, 
Doe put us on and my, my life has been documented in some way on yeah. this platform. So they appreciated that. So from there, I was like, yo, bro, like, you know, download Robin Hood, bro. You know, down, you know, get into this, doing that. And then um, I had a uh, contract with a door-to-door company, a run by a young guy. And his reps, they were making four figures a week. And they're like 18, 19, 20 years old. They don't know what to do. They're making 1100 1500 a week. They don't, you know what I mean? They don't got no responsibilities like that. So I started doing Stop Being Poor classes with them. And then, I, you know, I you know, had them open brokerage accounts and things of that nature. Um, what else? I have an email list that's a, um, separate from my other email list with just all the readers from Stop Being Poor, uh, getting updates from them you know, being able to, you know, uh, keep in tune with them. But as far as community physically, that's what I've been doing. I went to the... Yeah, club that's, that's, listen, no, that's love, the, man. That is love. Yeah. That is love. Because, like, you, you, you actually, um, you know, um, did them a service, like, teach them a whole I told them, too. I told them to pay their taxes, too. They don't... They ain't believe me. <laughs> I'm like, yo, son, you got to pay taxes on them drugs, man. You don't... That's, that's one of the things that people... That's the thing that'll get you knocked off. You'll get, you get, get booked, son. Yeah, that, get that'll get you knocked off. It's crazy. I was listening to like, a podcast. It was a chick who uh, who, who was a, a escort, and um, she was talking about how you know she pays her taxes, and she actually got a, got a game from one of her clients. You know, set up an LLC. Now this chick got rental property. She set up like a, a self directed four hundred one k. Yo, they mm-hmm. said the chick, the chick worth like seven hundred grand, but she started as an escort, and one of the, one of her um clients gave her the game, and now she paid taxes. Yo, so people understand that's how a lot of these other criminal factions got legit. You feel me? Like you can't just buy the front, bro. You can't just buy the front. You can't buy the the the, the mechanic shop and then run the drugs out of it. Like you got to register the LLC. You got to have the actual legal person to run in there so you can have a manager, you gotta have a real staff, you gotta have a real business, and then you funnel all of that money that you was getting from the drugs into these clean businesses. So when it's time to, you know, show what the what you actually made, it's all clean money and this is the transition out of the, the black market. Yeah. That's how you suppose that's what Superfly did. That's like that's what you're supposed to do. As far as drug dealing, I know it sounds crazy because it's not what I want anybody to do. It's no, no, exactly. We ain't trying. We, we listen. And, by and, the way, we're not telling anybody to do anything wrong. But at the end I of the probably, day, if you study like, the history of this country, study the history of this country, and look how many people have made that transition. Like a lot of times, mm-hmm. we're not. They don't allow us to make the transition. Mm-hmm. Right. So that this sometimes is just, you got to be smart about it. This is just a con- conceptual conversation. Is what I'm saying as far as like it doesn't even have to be drugs. Just if, you, if you're doing something on the black market. Mm-hmm. Get legal. That's the whole. That's the that's the basic. Yeah. Get legal. Get you a, a a corporate entity, a legal entity that you know that's registered, has EIN and all that other stuff, and that way you can navigate the all of that dirty money and put it into a place that's actually going to clean it up. You feel me? Okay. And you'll no longer have to do all of that black market shit. That's all I'm saying is you know stop committing crime. Is if is the the message is not yeah, to continue absolutely. to do crime and in front of it is to go legit because committing crime is, is I'm not gonna say it'll, wrong, but it's it's frowned. It, it'll take you to it'll yeah, it'll take you to a place where you'll lose you'll lose years off your life, basically. Right, right. Absolutely. Right, right, so, right so, or wrong is too subjective for me. Like selling weed, I don't think it's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Again, so, again, we talk about that. Things are nuanced, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, um though listen man, this has been an amazing conversation. I know this is gonna happen once we get you on here because 
you know, um, your energy and the things you talk about, they resonate with. No, I'm just a blabbermouth, bro. That's <laughs> no, no. Listen, but you, nah, you, you dropping you jewels. Talk about man. a lot of the same things that we do. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, yes, that's why. I, listen, but here's the question I got for you, right? Um, mm -hmm. so it, it's about like, you, you, what do you see yourself going in the future with with your movement? And like, you talked about having an actual conference. What are some yeah. of the things you're working on for the future? All right, so. I, I, I tier these, these, uh, the future things. So we have, you know, short term, midterm, and long term. So we, we'll just go through them. Short term, uh, HotepCon, of course. Uh, being able to push Hotep Nation to a nationwide and then global uh, forefront. And the reason why I say global in the short term is because we're on the internet age and we already are popping in other countries already. So we want to just make sure that we branch out nationwide, making sure that we are instituted in all of the things that we've been. Uh, talking about as far as health building, not just wealth, health building, wealth building, self-sufficiency. Um, they we, we like to call it self-supremacy. You know, everybody talks about white supremacy. Uh, you have even certain people say black supremacy. We say self-supremacy. So uh, if you look, if you just look at your, your life, right, if you look at the way your life is, in order for you to master your life, you pretty much have to be a master in a lot of things, right? In order for you to understand your body, not the bodies of anybody else, but your body, your own biology, you would have to understand biology as a whole. So you'll understand how your organs and how your internal workings work um, associating with whatever foods, drinks, and lifestyle choices that you make. So even if you can't help anybody else with their internal organs, you can at least master, you understand yours. So you got to understand biology. As far as your own personal finances, right? You need to be able to if you can't manage anybody else's portfolio or, you know, give any financial advice to somebody else, you need to be able to be a financial expert for your own finances. And then as far as uh, actually growing food or being able to feed yourself, you may not have uh, be able to uh, feed an entire community, but you should be able to have a garden in your back, uh, backyard, maybe a little livestock if you eat meat, to raise your own food. It's very, very important. It's actually, I tell people all the time, raising or uh, growing your own food is the most revolutionary thing that you can do. You understand? Because you'll have certain things like the war on poverty to where people are literally leveraging their livelihoods and the way that they live on a moral value level for a plate of food, food stamps, mm -hmm. for a place to stay, Section 8. Like they're totally forsaking how they would ever raise themselves and raise their children because of certain things um, that, that, not certain things, because of the essential things that you need to live. So if you somebody has control over your your food or the way you eat or how you eat or when you eat or what you eat, you are always going to be out there winning. But every yeah. year I grow my own fruits and vegetables to make sure that I, if anything, if shit hits me, I can still feed myself and my family. It's the same thing with my finances. It's the same thing with my body. It's the same thing with me understanding the law when I'm going out here or, you know, carrying a gun or driving or anything like that. I need to understand the law. And I also need to know combat. I need to know how to defend myself. I need to know how to use a fire, firearm. I need to so all that you have to be an expert and all these things may not for, be for the general public, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But you need to have all this stuff for your own safety and your own development as a person. So once you compound all of that studying for yourself, you begin to start sharing it. It's just what it is. Like I learned all of this stuff for the betterment of myself, but why sit on it? So that's where you get kind of thrusted into the whole teacher bag. But, you know, like, tell me. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys get DMs every day. As soon as you type something interesting, people going to DM you, yo, yo, I just seen, yeah, that's true. you know, every day. You're you right. said on the thread, like, what you mean by yeah. options? Or, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure I'm going to get DMs like, yo, I heard you on the Potter Block podcast. Yeah. What did you mean by X, Y, Z? It's going to be the same thing. You get thrusted into becoming a teacher. 
and I and I accept. I accept. It's one of the. It's it's great. I'm paying it forward because that's the okay. same thing Hev did to me. Imagine if Hev sat on that information. Where would I be today? That's, that's you know a what great I'm saying. Point. That's a great point. That's a great point. So it's that's like. So that so that's 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 the goals. That's the goal. Short term, you talk oh, about. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So midterm, so that yes, Hotep, uh, national, uh, and, and worldwide. Uh, mid tier, we are. Um, we're going to be as far as you know individually, as far as my family and stuff like that. We're going to be, uh, you know, growing our family, uh, and buying more land and buying um, more real estate and okay. focusing, you know, more and more on building our real estate portfolio. Like I want to have miles of real estate, mm-hmm. you feel me? like miles and miles and miles of shit. Um, so definitely, um, all, having a lot of startups under our uh, in our portfolio. I want to invest in you know small businesses and things of that nature. Um, more uh, alternative investments, wine, artwork, um, collectibles, crypto, things like that. So having all of that built up in, mm-hmm. in six, seven-figure accounts, you feel me? And then long-term, billionaire status, uh, doing everything that I want Hope to do. You know what I mean? Being like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Being, I like that. Landlord, that... <laughs> Do it my damn self. No, yeah, yeah exactly. You know I like I like I like that uh, approach though. Look, I'm not going to yeah, tell you, you know what, what he saying? should do. Like I'm gonna do everything I think he should do. I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So of course, like, be you know a super duper dope landlord. Have you know wealth building academies across the country and the world that teaches all of this stuff. Like it started from a PDF document to actual academies where you get certificates and actual diplomas from um from AR Morton's you know wealth building academy and okay. and we're going to just keep this going so we'll have real live university level wealth building academies that children from K through 12 ought to be able to go to and it's not going to be no funny shit I'm not going to you know sit there be go funding me no shots to nobody but it's not I'm not going to need to go fund me to get this building I'm going to be able to do this shit myself and come out of pocket for it um, because I have such a strong network of, uh, by this time, we're talking about long term, so by this time, we'll yeah. all be at least absolutely nine figures, you know, around at least seven to nine figures. Everybody should be at least that. And we and we build together. It's about community. Yes, and, and they, so that'd be it. I want to go down as one of the purveyors and one of the pioneers as far as this era of group economics in the Black American community. Man, that's like, fire. I want to be in the rafters with Claude Anderson. You feel me? Like, I want... Like AR Morton is responsible for XYZ million black Americans. You know what I'm saying? It's funny you say that, man. And uh, shout out to like off rip, I like not that you know what I'm saying, cut you off, but like the Robin Hood referrals, Mm -hmm. I'm maxed out of that. I'm maxed out of my stash referrals. I'm maxed out. So we talking about 500 people just off of Robin Hood alone have open Robin Hood accounts based based upon my tweets and things of that nature. I Man, feel that's fire. That's fire. That's you feel fire. me? And that's, and that's not because you don't get paid for it no more. I think I can get paid for it now because it's like as five, it's 500 a year now. At mm-hmm. first it was just 500, but now they Total. do 500 a year. So yeah. now I'll be able to, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to me for the $500. I mean, it's whatever, you know what I mean? But the fact that it's 500 people is now, much better yeah, you, than you've, you've, got, you've got them investing, and that's that's the powerful thing about Robinhood. You know right? I, mean? I know Robinhood takes a lot of a lot of hits about like you know them going down and all. It's that, good but, for beginners, but that's exactly my point. You talk yeah, about someone yeah. just starting out because it's so simple. And the it's UI, so, it's, it's really the UI. It, it is. The, it the, is. The user interface is is unmatched. I'm not gonna lie. Nobody. Like, Listen, I don't even. I, I use the big. I I I'll be very transparent. I use Vanguard for most of my stuff because you can buy individual stocks in Vanguard. A lot of people don't know that. Um, so I use Vanguard. Um, I have a TD account, but I, I love Robinhood's UI and I always tell beginners to start there just because I want to get them in the game. 
You know right. what I'm saying? But, um, you know, you, you've given us a lot of valuable information. The last question I have before we get off here is this, right? You talked about the transformation of yourself and you talked about doing a lot from, the, from your mental to your health to your wealth and all that. Someone right now who's, who's watching this or listening to this and they're sitting on the couch and they're, they're, they're starting from scratch. What is the first thing in terms of a recommendation we give them to like start working on themselves? What would be the very first thing? First and foremost, stop lying. Stop lying. <laughs> That's that. I, I, I'm going to be totally honest because that was, that was what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? I was lying to yourself. You mean? Yeah, I was lying to myself. And the thing is, I would beat myself up too. So I would lie to make myself feel better when I'm around other people. So I would lie to myself internally when I'm around other people to make myself feel better. But when I'm by myself, I'm just shitting on myself. So what I tell people to do is start telling the truth, but also understand that it's not the end of the world. So you don't need to be sitting there spending hours of the day shitting on yourself. Cause a lot of people do that self deprecating because it, it, it's weird, but it kind of makes you feel better. Cause it's like, I kind of deserve to be unsuccessful because of how lazy I am. So I get to reinforce Yo, you just a lazy fuck, man. Like that's exactly why I'm not winning. Da, 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 da. And you're right, but you gotta stop that shit. Like you know the problem. So you, you the fact that you acknowledge the fact that you're a lazy bum, you acknowledge the problem. Let's stop that. So what we do is we write down. We always write down what we're doing for that next day. Once you start, because a lot of people gotta understand, like most bad habits are formed out of idle time. You feel me? You don't get a, a bad smoking habit by being busy all day. You just don't. If, not being busy, but being productive all day because it's two different things to be busy and productive. If you're productive throughout the day, you're going to be less likely to want to get into bad habits because that's pretty much what all unsuccessful people are. It's just a culmination of bad habits and all successful people are just a combination of good habits. So what you do is you write down all of the good habits that you're going to you know, do in the next day. You're going to wake up and you're going to get active. You're going to wake up between 5 and 6 a.m., uh, stretch, exercise, workout, have a nice breakfast that has a lot of vitamins in it, like, you know, citrus fruits and things of that nature. Uh, you're going to get a jump on whatever projects that you're working on, you know what I'm saying? Or get a jump on getting those those brainstorming ideas so you can get your, you know, project off the ground. And then you're going to hold yourself accountable throughout that entire time. So the reason why we write it down is because, first of all, it's more conviction behind it your memory, it, you start to commit to your memory a little bit better because you wrote it down. And then you can always refer back to it as opposed to trying to remember it. That's the reason why I have a whiteboard in my office because I can always refer back to it. Everybody gets off track. Even the most organized person gets off track. That's the reason why you keep this productivity hack in your back pocket. Always write down what you're going to do. And then one thing I learned from my side of Twitter, people like Ari, Rogue Wealth, um, they um, told me about systems and being able to record yourself doing whatever you do and it does not matter if it's like an online business or whatever it could literally be you recording the time that you take when you go to the gym from the drive home to, to showering and all of that okay it takes me an hour and 56 minutes from leaving my house to coming back to my house from the gym so now we know that i have to make sure i stay within that time frame and I, this is the time frame i need to do every day i got two hours allotted to that the same thing when it comes to morning routines breakfast uh, brushing teeth, washing up, all of that stuff. Write down your systems. Have a full account of the time that you're using every day, and then you'll be able to audit your time. Like, okay, it's way too much time driving. That commute is crazy. I, I, you know, maybe I'll take the public transport. Or, uh, it's way too much time walking to the gym. Maybe I'll drive. Um, I need to get up, get up a little bit earlier. You start to audit your time, and then you, got, you start to become more productive. 
all of those bad habits that you were able to do in between those times starts to get eliminated. Mm-hmm. You understand? So then you're able to, you know, move forward in that. Backsliding, how to deal with that. You know, falling off the wagon, falling off as far as, you know, not sticking to your diet, not sticking to your gym regimen. I always tell people this all the time. When you're ahead, don't let up. And if you're behind, don't beat yourself up. So if you're ahead, keep it going. Let Create a motivation that does not allow you to slack. Because that was one of the things that I did. It's so weird. Like, I would stop at the height of my success. I don't know why I did that shit. But I think it was psychological. Subconsciously, I was scared of the responsibility of my power. Mm. Like, what happens when my podcast is, like, the number one podcast and there's 102,000 500,000 people waiting for my new podcast and I got a cold or I can't make it. And so you start, self, so you start self-sabotaging. Self-sabotaging. So mm-hmm. that's what that idle time does. So that's when you kill all the idle time and you are dead tired by 1030 at night. You wake up and do that all over again. Now you have a system. You start doing that. We already know 20, uh, 21 days forms the habit. You do that shit for a month and then you, compound, customize, compound and customize before you know it six months later, you don't even remember how you was wasting so much time. And this is something that um, is not a miracle. It's not going to come super dumb easy, but this is the best way to do it. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to have cravings. Damn, I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to go through withdrawals. I'm not going to tell you that you, you know, it's going to be peachy keen. It's not. I went through withdrawals, cravings, all of that. You feel me? I went through all of those sacrifices. I was irritable when good things was happening. <laughs> <While> everybody <laughs> was happy in my house. I was just sitting there tight. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I got you. I went through all, all right, of man. He got me motivated, Corey. I'm about to go jump on my Peloton tread real quick. Like, <laughs> he, 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 he got me motivated out here. But I, I, I like it because what you said was very succinct. The first thing to do to get, to get started is to stop lying. Yo, but that works on a financial level, that works on a spiritual level, a health level, whether we talking about like, you know, you thinking about, you know, trying to learn a new trait, whatever it is, just stop lying. You know what I'm saying? That's the, that's the name of the next book, yo, stop lying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop listen, being man. a liar. <laughs> listen, man, I just want to wish you continued success, man. Continue to share the information, continue Thank to do what you do. We appreciate your time, man. This has been one of my favorite episodes because... Like I said, we're aligned in a lot of ways in terms of what we talk about, about solutions, um, and also the psychology behind it, man. And also, I appreciate your realness, like being transparent and being who you are, because a lot of people aren't, you know, I, I don't care who you are as long as you're your authentic self. I appreciate that. And it comes through, even though, you know, we're talking on here, whatever, it comes through as sure. someone being their authentic self, man. So, of course, That's likewise, on my end, man, I, I thank y'all, um, you know, every time I get one of these opportunities, I'm always... Um, Black, I would say humble. I'm not humble. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a humble person. But I am. I'm full of gratitude to have these opportunities because I remember when I was being cursed out for this shit, son. I remember mm. when I felt like I was on an island with this information. It was just me and Hotep. Like, listen, man. You know what I, 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 and I, I resonate. And I resonate with that too. I talk to Corey about that all the time. Like, like someone being like in real estate and ownership and been and doing that for 20 years. When talking about it, until the internet came around, man, I used to think like I was crazy. I just yeah. think I was crazy because it was like, yo, I was by myself. And then it's like, now I realize there's a whole world of people that look just like me who are talking about the same things, man. So I understand That's that. Right. Core, man, you got anything you want to say before you got here, good brother? Yeah, man. I, I wanted to just say thank you, man, because you touched on a lot of topics that a lot of people wouldn't want to 
touch on. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you really, you took it to a place where, you know, our people can understand it because, you know, while it's important for, you know, the stories to get shared, it's also important for the information to get shared. And you're, and you're talking about the information and, and it's information for us. So I, I want to say thank you and I appreciate you. Absolutely. Oh man, man! Absolutely. Oh man, y'all! Yeah. Oh man, thank y'all, man. Yeah. Thank and you. to our and to our audience, I'll make sure that I put his Twitter link. You already said that's his uh, his platform. So I'm gonna put his Twitter link, um, in there so you can take a look at what he's got going on. Go purchase his products. Look at his books. Um, you know the brothers talking about accountability and, and how to how to get started and, and having a better life. It's not just about the money, like you said. It's 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 an overall lifestyle, right? So, um, make sure that you share this episode. And as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.